0: So I'm getting excited. Uh, I'm getting excited about the holidays coming up. I don't know about you guys. If you know me well, you know that I love the holidays. I love Christmas. I love Thanksgiving. I love being together with family and all that fun stuff. And, you know, there's something about Christmas and holidays and birthdays that I tend to get caught off guard with. Because here's what happens. When it's like Christmas time or somebody's birthday and I'm getting real excited, Um, I wake up that morning and I just think it's going to be the best day ever. You know what I mean? You ever wake up and you just think, this is my day. It's your birthday or it's Christmas. It just feels like this is going to be the best day ever. But I always tend to sit back, coast through it, think it's going to go well, and then I get caught off guard in one way or another. I think about years ago, my dad on Thanksgiving was carving the turkey with one of those electric carvers, you know, and he dropped it and just out of reflex went to catch it before it hit the ground. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And he got cut up pretty bad. So when they woke me up after passing out from all the blood, uh, he was trying to figure out if he should go to the hospital. I was like, I need to go to the hospital. He's talking about, like, uh, sorry, what happened? Well, my dad cut his hand. Uh, yes, and what happened to you? Well, it was just really nasty, and I passed out. <laughs> Give me an IV or something. I just got to get the blood flowing again. Um, and then I think about our first Christmas morning as a married couple. She's shaking her head. You guys see that? We need a close-up on Kelly right now. Um, first married Christmas, what happens? Are our toilet breaks, and so all right, we'll get through Christmas morning, you know? And and so we go over to my parents' house, and, and I make the mistake, rookie husband mistake, of asking my dad to come over later Christmas night to help me fix the toilet. And so instead of the nice, fun, enjoyable, romantic evening Kelly and I had planned, I was bonding with my dad around the bowl. And it's incredible, because men and women process this moment incredibly differently, okay? And I've learned this. 15 years of marriage now, I've learned this. In my head... I think Kelly is thinking, as she's looking at me fixing the toilet, he's my hero. I think she's like never been more attracted to me, you know, like my hair then at the time is blowing in the wind, my cape too, you know, like she just can't imagine like how, how she got this amazing man that would take care of her like this on Christmas. And you know what she's really thinking, of course, ladies, is he chose a toilet bowl over me. Like, that's what's actually just going through her head in that moment. Now, this past Christmas, our toilet broke again, and Kelly looked at me with a smile and said, don't even think about it. But I learned my lesson, because I waited till our anniversary to fix it, so I did good, right? <laughs> but I think about then, those days, I get so excited, I'm so ready, and then I get caught off guard. I think of, we were just talking about it this morning, our first 45 minutes of vacation, land and jumping from one bed to another, and Busting his knee open down to the bone. Uh, I think of, on my birthday a few years ago, Len, and his name's gonna come up a lot, falling and hitting his head on our fireplace. And that was another one, to the bone, stitches, hospital. It just always seems to catch me off guard. Now, the reason I bring all this up here in the message this morning is because we're at a place where things are really good right now. You know, there's a lot of excitement. It's kinda like waking up on Christmas morning, you know? I mean, Deeper was awesome the last, the last time the ladies met. So cool to see the ladies falling in love with Jesus and growing closer. The green room has been incredible. Tons of kids, tons of new kids, and the kids are growing in their relationship with Jesus. Um, small groups have been amazing. Volunteering, so many of you guys are coming on board more and more with that, which has been so exciting. Um, we we'll are going into two services next week. We kicked off membership today. We're looking for a new building. There's a lot of really great, good, awesome, exciting things happening, but The problem would be if we just kind of coast through this, you know what I mean? If we just kind of sit back and we kick our feet up, I think we'll get caught off guard. And so today, as we kind of make a historic move of, you know, bringing members in, and then next week, a historic move of adding a second service, what do we do? What could we all do right now? What is the most important thing for each of us to do? I think the most important thing every one of us could do in this season of our church is take a next step toward Jesus. Every single one of us, okay? Okay. And so as a whole, this is huge, but I want to really say every single person, what what needs to happen right now is that you and I continue to take these next steps toward our Savior. Our mission statement here at the church is to help people center their lives around Jesus. That's what we're all about. We want to help people center their lives around Jesus, and we can't ever lose sight of that. Because here's what I've seen happen and, and I know happens all around the world, is churches start to get some momentum and things get exciting and the room fills up and the bills are paid and they can hire some new staff and things just feel good and we forget Jesus. You know what I mean? We stop taking steps toward our Savior. I told you guys in the past about a pastor from another country who was brought to America and he kind of went to a bunch of the big churches around and they toured him and they gave him all the, the you know, VIP treatment. And at the end of that time, somebody said to him, So what do you think? What's your impression of these American churches? And you know what he said? He said, it's amazing what Americans can do without God. Do you know what he was saying? He was saying, you guys have some fancy schmancy buildings, man. You guys have some great worship teams, some great preachers. You guys have some awesome youth programs. But I don't see much of God in any of it. And that's what we can never be okay with. So as we take these next steps, we each need to be taking a next step toward our Savior. We can't ever stop that personal relationship. That's what makes a church strong, is every member taking a next step toward Jesus. And then after they take that step, they take another next step toward their Savior. That is what will keep this church moving. That is what will keep this church together and unified and enable us to reach out to the community and to those that need Jesus. Um, Whenever you're trying to figure out Something having to do with your relationship with God, there's always one place to look, and it's, of course, the Godfather movies. And so in The Godfather Part 3, Michael Corleone is having a conversation with a priest, and the priest picks up a stone out of, out of some water, and he says this, Look at this stone. It has been lying in the water for a very long time, but the water has not penetrated it. He cracks the rock in half, breaks it open, and shows Michael the inside, perfectly dry. See? Look, perfectly dry, the same thing has happened to men in Europe, he says. For centuries, they've been surrounded by Christianity, but Christ has not penetrated. Christ doesn't breathe within them. And Guys, things are going well. We're surrounded by a lot of Christianity right now. We're surrounded by a lot of good things. But we've got to let Christ continue to penetrate through to our heart. We've got to let Jesus continue to breathe within. And that's what I want to encourage you with this morning. For each of us to take a next step is so vital. And so once a year, we kind of just take a a snapshot of our church and say, okay, are we really helping people center their lives around Jesus, right? Churches have great mission statements, and they so often just stay on the pastor's office wall, and you don't really see them happening in the hall, you know? And so we want to say, okay, let's not just have great statements, but let's live this. And so are we helping people center their lives around Jesus? Are we helping people take that next step? So today I want to help you take a next step. And I want to remind you why centering your life around Jesus is so important. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, this is an amazing day for you to be here because I want to challenge you to take a next step toward Jesus too. And you might be thinking, well, Doug, I don't know that Jesus is worth that. I don't know why I'd even want to take a next step toward him. Well, today, I hope to convince you that taking a next step toward Jesus is exactly the thing that would satisfy you. And so we're going to look in the book of Colossians today. In Colossians chapter one, you guys can turn there. The verses will also be up on the screens. And this is really important for us because the Colossians were being tempted to stop taking next steps. That's why Colossians was written. Because Paul who was this amazing follower of Jesus, who was a great example of someone who continued to center their life around Jesus, he saw that the Colossians were being tempted to stop taking those next steps. People were kind of distracting him, or distracting the Colossians from continuing on in that relationship with God. And so that's why he wrote Colossians. And so first we're gonna see that these next steps, growth in Jesus is so important. And then we're gonna see why Jesus, why it's worth it, why he's the one that we should be so drawn to, why he's the one we should let breathe within, why he's the one we should let penetrate those hard places of our heart and our lives. And so in Colossians chapter 1, verse 9, Paul says this, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. What's he saying here? Paul is saying something. He's saying, hey, Colossians, I just want you to know, I've been praying for you that you will what? That you'll grow, that you'll be filled with the knowledge of his will and that you'll have spiritual wisdom, understanding. I want you to keep taking next steps, Colossians. Don't get distracted. Living Word Church, we gotta keep taking next steps. We gotta be filled with the spiritual wisdom and understanding of God. We need to keep letting him penetrate our hearts in those, those difficult areas. Verse 10, and we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way. So Paul's saying, I'm praying for you guys because I want you to live a life of growth. I want you to live a life of next steps. I want you to keep moving in your relationship with Jesus and don't get stagnant. And I'm just telling you, when things are going well in a church, churches get stagnant. They tend to sit back. They tend to go, everything's going pretty well, so let's just put our feet up and they get caught off guard and they stop letting Christ breathe within. And so today we gotta continue to move forward. And then it says this, bearing fruit, in every good work. So he says, Paul says, I want you to live this life. I want you to bear fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. So Paul uses this example of a tree that produces fruit, right? And he's saying just like a tree, a healthy tree that's growing produces fruit, so you should produce fruit. You should live a life that produces fruit like this. And and we know Paul writes in another place in Galatians, he says, this is what you should look like when you're a follower of Jesus. You should have some love coming out of you. And you should have some joy and some peace and some self-control. And you might say, well, Doug, I don't live that perfectly. I know none of us do. But we should all see as we take next steps toward Jesus that more and more God's bringing those things out of our hearts and our lives, that we're growing. You see the problem, some of us here today, you might be frustrated in your relationship with Jesus. As some of you are just going through a time where it feels a little bit dry, you don't feel close to God. And that doesn't necessarily mean you're doing anything wrong at all. But the next step is what you need to push through, to keep going. And if we're honest, there's others of us in the room that are saying, I just don't feel like I'm close to Jesus today. And it's because we just stop taking the next step. We just stop putting one foot in front of the other. We're not walking toward him so that he can do in us what we can't do in ourselves. Right now at the Jansen household, we have some mums out front. And mums are awesome and terrible because they're really hard to keep alive and flowering. I don't know if you guys have experienced this. i am just got some bad water over my neighborhood. I don't know what's going on, but they're like incredibly different. difficult to keep going. It'd be easier to get me in a patriot uniform than, uh, you know, (laughs) keep flowers alive for more than a week. Um, It's really hard. You you have to continue to nurture them. They need a certain amount of sunlight. They need a certain amount of water, but not too much water. They need to make sure that, you ever heard of deadheading? You actually got to cut, as soon as you start to see the brown or you start to see those flowers wilt, you got to cut those things off so new ones can come up in their place. They need all this nurturing. And you know what? That's exactly the picture Paul's trying to give us. Some of us are those deadhead flowers right now. Some of us are wilting a little bit. But as we take a next step toward Jesus, he nurtures us, he shines on us, he waters us, he he cuts back those things in our lives that are bad for us and new fruit can be produced. And so it's so vital that you and I keep taking these next steps toward our Savior. Then he says this, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. So Paul is saying, as you take next steps toward Jesus, as you stay close to him, you're gonna be empowered by a power that's not your own. Some of us are here going, Doug, I'd love to take a next step toward Jesus, but I just keep feeling like I keep failing. I keep falling short. I keep messing up. Well, as I said earlier, we're always gonna fall short and that's why we need the grace of Jesus. But more and more, we should be empowered by that that glorious might that doesn't come from you and me. It comes from him. It comes from close connection with him. It comes when we take those next steps toward him. Just so you know, at the end of the message, I'm gonna paint real clearly what it looks like to take some next steps. So if you're here going, Doug, I don't know how to do that though. I hear you. I'd love to take some next steps. What does that look like? I'm gonna paint that clearly for you at the, mes- at the end of the message. And then he says this, so that you may have great endurance and patience and joyfully giving thanks to the Father who's qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. And so Paul is saying, I want you to have endurance. I want you to have patience. I want you to joyfully give thanks to God. This, this all happens when you and I take next steps toward our Savior, and we let him breathe within. We let him penetrate those hard areas of our heart. Guys, we all have them, right? We all have those places in our hearts. Sometimes the hard area of our heart's is called doubt. Sometimes it's called anger. Sometimes it's called lust. Sometimes it's called unforgiveness, and as you and I grow some of those hard spots in our lives, we need to keep taking next steps. Some of you, uh, the Tomlinson family, the Carr family, you guys lost some loved ones this week. We love you guys, and we're walking through this with you, but the best thing you guys can do right now is continue those next steps. Let Jesus heal. Let him be enough for you. Let him satisfy your hearts in this difficult time. And so Paul has made a huge deal that growth is so important. Next steps are so important. And now I just want to answer the question, why? Why Jesus? Doug, you're telling me that everything's about him. You're telling me that taking these next steps and centering my life around him and letting him breathe within is everything. So, so why? Convince me he's worth it. Well, let's do that because Paul does just that. He shows us why Jesus is the one we should center our lives around, why he's worth it. And some of this is gonna be a reminder for some of you guys who've been around for a while. And can, can I just plead with you to let this information hit you in a fresh way, to, to just be reminded of why Jesus is worth us centering our lives around in just a fresh way. And so first, Paul brings up because of God's love. He shows us a, uh, several ways God loves us. Verse 13, for he's rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom Of the Son he loves. Okay? Now, the term dominion of darkness is a great name for a metal band, and uh, it's probably some type in the future season of Walking Dead, a containment area or something like that. I don't know. But aside from that, the dominion of darkness sounds like a pretty terrible place, no? And Jesus has rescued you and I from that. Jesus has taken us out of that. Why take a next step toward Jesus? Why let him breathe within? Because he rescued you from the dominion of darkness. What does that mean? It means that, like we've all seen the movie, the the handsome prince goes and rescues the princess out of the the dungeon, right? And then brings her to live with him. And and you know what? You and I were the captive in the dungeon. And we were the slave. And we were abused by the enemy. and, And we were blind. And Jesus busted in and broke through the dungeon door and rescued us out. That's why we should let him breathe within. That's why we should take a next step toward him. Verse 14, in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. Why take a next step toward Jesus? Because he redeemed you. And we've talked about redemption before in the past, right? We have this all confused in our culture, at least I did. I, I always thought when you went to ShopRite and you brought your cans to redeem them, that you were the one doing the redeeming. You're actually not. ShopRite's doing the redeeming. They're buying back your worthless metal. They're giving you money for what otherwise has no value. And Jesus redeemed you and me. That those that had no value, no worth. Jesus didn't look at me and go, I gotta have that guy. I mean, he just offers so much. You should see him fix a toilet bowl on Christmas. I mean, <laughs> whoo! Right? It didn't happen. He saw his enemy. He saw someone who sinned and fall short. And yet he still redeemed me, and he still redeems you. Next, he says, in verse 15, we shift from Love from love being the motivation for taking a next step to the power of God, you ever just seen something really powerful and you 're just in awe We went to Niagara Falls this past summer for a little while, and just looking at that, I was just in awe. I was like, this is incredible and and I could have stood there all day and just stared at it. It was so breathtaking, and I was drawn to it. Not, not, not in that I wanted to jump into it or anything, but, but I was drawn to the power of it. And you know what? In the same way, the power of God should draw us to take next steps toward him. As we look at him and we're amazed and our minds are blown, that should draw us and attract us in. Okay, so we've seen his love. Let's talk about his power for a minute. Verse 15, he's the image of the invisible God. What does that mean? Okay, Jesus is the perfect picture of God. One preacher put it this way, Jesus is God in a bod, okay? And so Jesus is that perfect representation of who God is. Jesus is God, right? But he's God with skin and bones. He's God walking around. So if you ever wondered, what's God like? Just look at Jesus. His love, his power, his mercy, his grace, his forgiveness, all the amazing things you see in Jesus, that's God, Next part says he's the firstborn over all creation. And this is where our minds start to blow. Standing at the edge. Well, I wasn't at the edge. Oh, you know me. I wouldn't have been at the edge. But near Niagara Falls, looking over, my mind was blown by how big and powerful. And I couldn't really fathom it. I'm like, how does this keep running? How's it going so fast? Like, I mean, we're driving miles away, seeing the mist. You know, that's where Niagara Falls is. Where is it? On the GPS, it's where the mist is. Go over that way. Just Huge. And your mind blows. You can't compute. And you know what? You and I maybe can't compute these next few verses, but we should be drawn to Jesus because of them. He says, Jesus is the firstborn over all creation, which means he existed before all this did. He existed before anything did. In fact, the next verse takes it even a little bit further. Verse 16, For by him all things were created, things in heaven, on earth, visible, invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him, and for him. So Jesus just wasn't just like around before creation. Then he was in involved in creating all that you and I see. So when you walk outside today, everything you see is because of what Jesus has put together. You look up at the sky. And then when they look through the telescopes and you see those amazing pictures of foreign planets and stars and all that amazing stuff, all there because of the power, listen, of the one who wants to breathe within you. The power of the one who wants to penetrate your hard heart and my hard heart. Let's take next steps toward this amazing God, this loving, powerful God. And then he says this in verse 17, he's before all things, and I love this phrase, and in him all things hold together. So Jesus is literally holding everything together. So if Jesus were to say to all creation, release, everything crumbles, every molecule, every atom, everything falls apart because in Jesus all things Hold together. And that's the one who wants you to take a next step toward him. This amazing, loving, powerful God. Then we're going to skip down to verse 21. 18 to 21 are awesome, but we're running out of time a little bit here. So 21 says this. We're kind of shifting back to love now. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. Remember I said that earlier. God didn't look at me and say, I got to have that guy. He's so great. No, you see, We've never seen this movie. We've all seen the movie where the prince runs in and gets the princess out of the dungeon. You know what movie we've never seen? The movie where the prince runs into the dungeon where his enemy is and gets him out. Never seen that movie. But that's the story of what Jesus has done for you and I. Jesus busted into the cell where you and I were. And listen to this. We were kicking and screaming all the way. We didn't even want him. We didn't even want to go toward him. We were his enemy. And yet he busted in and carried us out anyway. And so we see the incredible love of God again. And then it says this, Now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you in his holy sight without blemish and free from accusation. So you and I can stand before God today free of accusation. If you and I were to die today and we stood before our Savior he would not accuse us. He would not condemn us. He would look at us and welcome us because of what Jesus has done for you and I. And that's the Savior that wants us to center our lives around him. Do you know anybody else who can do any of this? Do you know any form of entertainment? Do you know any other thing that can do any of the things we're talking about this morning? Do you know any form of love or power like Jesus? And yet, isn't it so crazy that it can be so difficult sometimes to take a next step toward Him, but it's super easy to take a next step toward Netflix, isn't it? Or, or football, or, or money, or, or fame, or a relationship, or all these different things that we so easily take next steps toward. Isn't it crazy how much we really, we settle for so much less than God has? All along, he's saying, come toward me. And you know what? Churches do this. They take a the next step toward, hey, yeah, man, let's keep, build up the budget. Budgets are great and all, but... Don't forget Jesus in the process and, hey, let's, let's add a new location. Let's build that new building. That's great, but we can never, ever, ever stop our next steps toward this loving, powerful God that wants us so badly. Verse 23 kind of brings us back to this importance of growth. If you continue in your faith, established and firm not moved from the hope held out in the gospel. So it's kind of like Paul starts out saying, hey, growth in Jesus is really important. Next steps are really important. And let me motivate you and remind you how loving and powerful Jesus is. And then let me close out by telling you that I want you to be firm and established in your faith, not moved from the hope held out by Jesus in the gospel. And so in all this, we see who's calling our name. Who wants to spend time with us, this loving, powerful Savior? And so here today, rather than kind of giving you like a main statement or idea, I want to ask you a main question. And the question is this. What next step do you need to take to center your life around Jesus? It's the most important thing every one of us could do as a church. Take a next step. So what next step do you need to take to center your life around Jesus? See, the thing I love about this concept of centering your life around Jesus is every single one of us can do it. Some people in this room have been Christians for like 50 years. You can still take a next step. Some of you today would say, I'm not even a Christian. I'm not a follower of Jesus. You can still take a next step toward him today. As we were dreaming up this mission statement, we love that concept that this this doesn't have anything to do with maturity. Because No matter how mature you are in Jesus, you can always take a next step in centering your life around him. So this is relevant to every one of us in the room, from an unsaved person who doesn't know what Jesus offers or if he can be trusted to the most mature, strong Christian in this room. And so here today, I want to just paint for you what it looks like to take some next steps, because here's what I know happens. If you're anything like me, You hear a message, you get a little bit inspired, you get motivated, you think, that's right, I'm gonna take a next step. But because we don't define what a next step looks like, we never take the step. Like we want to, there's something in us that's saying I'd love to do that, but I just don't know what that looks like. So let me paint for you a picture of what it looks like to take a next step. Years ago as a staff, when we came up with our mission statement, we also came up with something that we call the process. And the process is this. It's the steps that people who are trying to center their life around Jesus take. You ever wondered what it looks like to send your life around Jesus? What, what does that practically look like in my day-to-day life? We came up with five steps. And here's what, please hear me right now. I don't want you to choose five steps to take today. I want you to choose one step. This is about a next step toward Jesus. Because if you choose five steps to take, you're going to have large ambitions and probably no success, okay? So I want you to take one of these. And I want you to say to yourself, okay, or, you know, pray and seek God. This is my next step. As I lay these out before you, if you've been around for a while, you'll remember these. If you haven't, I'm going to try to make this as clear as I possibly can. Our first step that we see in the life of a person that's centering their life around Jesus is that they learn and apply. They learn and apply, okay? So what that means is they learn God's Word, and then they apply what it says to their lives, okay? And let me be real clear that these five steps do not save you. Jesus alone saves us by what he did on the cross, But these five steps are characteristics of people who have been saved and are now taking next steps and growing in their relationship with Jesus. So learn and apply. Some of you need to take a learn and apply step. Some of you would say, Hey, I've had some cool experiences with God, or I feel like I'm connected to His people, or this or that. But if you're honest, you're like, I don't know much about God. And so some of you need to get into His Word, and we'll give you a Bible today. We'll help you understand how to read it give you some questions to ask as you're reading. In fact, as you leave with the Bible, there's a little insert in there, a little blurb that I wrote, just some good questions to ask as you're looking through it. So please feel free to take a Bible on your way out. But some of us know the Bible really well, we're just not applying it, right? And so some of us need to say, okay, I know God's word so well, but how do I let what it says make a difference in my life? And so some of us need to make a learn and apply step today. And we've seen that learning and applying helps people center their life around Jesus. The next one is experience. Some of you need to experience God really badly. Some of you are like, I know the Bible in and out, but I've never seen an answer to prayer. Or it's been a really long time since I've seen Jesus say, yes, I will answer that prayer and here's how. And so I want to encourage you guys, if that's you, to begin more and more to say, bring that thing before God. God, here's what I need. There's a loved one that I, I have here. They're sick. Now, God's will is bigger than ours, right? So everything we ask doesn't always get answered the way we want it. But as you seek God and you pray, you will see him show up. You will experience him. I promise you that. As you bring to God your needs, you're going to see him show up and answer. And there's nothing like it. Our community group this past Wednesday, we were just talking a little bit about the faithfulness of God. And every single person in the group brought up a way that God has shown himself to be faithful. And I just love that. I love that the stuff we read in the Bible is happening all around us in real life. And some of you need to experience that for yourself. So some of you need to take that next step. Say, God, I've never seen you answer prayer. Or, God, it's been like five years. Or it's been like six months. Or whatever it might be. It just, I need to hear from you. I need to see you at work. And so maybe you need to take that experience step. We have seen that experiencing God helps people center their life around Jesus. The next one is worship. Do so you need to take a worship step? Okay? Okay. Now, there's two kind of aspects to this. One is the worship that we do here in the room. Some of us would say, well, I'm kind of like, I, I kind of like just watch. I, like the band's really good. I kind of just watch them worship. Can I just encourage you to worship? Can I encourage you to see the goodness of God and just respond? Um, some of you guys, men, before you know it, you'll have like one eye closed, you know, and it'll be like, you know, little hand raised or finger raise, you know. <laughs> like, what's that guy doing over there? He's kind of trying to worship. Yeah, all right. He's got one finger out. That's cool. We'll give it to him. And so just, just beginning to just in these times. I mean, we have an amazing band here. What an opportunity we have to enjoy responding to God through music and worship. And so I encourage you to do that. But the other aspect of worship that that may really hit some of us is we need to more worship God with our lives. You know what I mean? Like outside these walls. Example. Maybe some of us need to give up a show, because we know as soon as that show goes on, my heart's not worshiping Jesus anymore. I'm worshiping a person on a screen that I shouldn't be worshiping, or I'm glorifying a an idea that shouldn't be glorified. You know what I mean? Maybe it's a, a style of music, or not a style of music, nothing wrong with styles of music, but an artist who is constantly just... Taking you down paths, you stumble. As you listen to that music, you're headed places in your mind or in your heart or in your actions. You just know you shouldn't be. Maybe husbands and wives in the room, it's the way we talk to our spouses and our kids. Kids in the room, maybe it's the way we talk to our parents and our siblings. That's worship. And so maybe you and I need to take a worship step today. Maybe I didn't bring up your thing, but maybe that's for you. Again, don't get overwhelmed by all these, okay? I know like type A list people are like, oh, I'm gonna nail all these by three o'clock today. No, you're not, right? (laughs) So just hang in there. But choose one. Choose one. And over the next several weeks, let's, let's focus on that one. The next one is connect. You need to take a connect step. You need to connect to the people in this building. And we've been putting a lot of emphasis on this lately, belonging. And, and so maybe today's the day you walk into the cafe and you start a conversation. You're going, Doug, I'm no good at that. I know, neither am I. I'm really not. I'd rather be up here than trying to make those connections happen in a place I feel uncomfortable. You know, So I get that. But it's so important. We need each other. Is this the week you join a community group and you start to do life with some people? Do you come the deeper the next time and, and stay after and sit and talk with some women? The last one is serve. Some of us need to take a serve step. We need to just get going. And so many of you guys have done this recently. But I'll tell you, we really see people connect in such awesome ways as they, as they serve. And something we're constantly trying to remind our team members is that Serving helps people center their life around Jesus. Like I said this to our staff the last time we gathered. We do not want you to serve just to get jobs done. I mean, there are jobs that need to get done, but we want serving to get you closer to your Savior. We want you to literally be closer to Jesus because you serve, not just serving so that other people can get close to Jesus while you're kind of stuck serving. You know what I mean? And so serving, and and part of the serving thing is giving. So these ways, man, when you start to see, like that's probably what's next for me. Okay, awesome. Now, the beautiful thing about this little image we have on the screen here is this is something that I was kind of praying through years ago, probably honestly 10 years ago, and God just kind of dropped this image in my head because I was all about experiencing God for a long time because I kind of came from a church background where it didn't happen all that much, and when I started to, I was like over the top. Everyone's got to experience God, and God just kind of gave me this image here, uh, sort of these arrows of balance because that's what you have in these five steps. You have balance. If you're learning and applying and you're experiencing God and you're worshiping God and you're connecting and you're serving, you're going to have a balanced walk with Jesus. You're going to be close to your Savior as you walk out those different steps. And the other thing I like about it is that you see how it just keeps kind of going? Like there's never a finish line on that. There's never like a period. Those arrows just keep going because that's what you and I can do for the rest of our lives. We can do those five things. And several of those things will carry over into eternity too, won't they? And so what next step do you need to take? That's my question for you this morning. Sort of the silly word I made up years ago. It's not a real word. It's not in the dictionary. But some of you will remember it. What's the word? Come on. Help me. Luke's. Thank you. It worked. Good, good. L-E-W-C-S. If you take the first letter of every one of those, it spells Luke's the wrong way. So L-E-W-C-S. Easy way to remember those kind of five steps. So what's your next step to center your life around Jesus? Under your chair, if you could just quietly grab the little pebble. Yes, that's there on purpose. We don't have a dirty church. You can grab... This little pebble. And here's what I want you to do with this, okay? I want you to carry this around with you. I purposefully got you little ones. I was at Home Depot. I was like, do I get a big honking one or do I get a little one? I got you guys little ones on purpose because here's what I want you to do. I want you to walk around with this for the next week. People in the back, uh, as we edit some extra chairs, you may not have gotten one. Uh, we'll, get you, uh, yeah, we'll get you some on the way out if you'd like. They're actually available on the ground everywhere. Um, and so you can just grab one of these. But what we'd love for you to do is walk around with it over the next week. And every time you see it, every time it pokes you in the leg, every time, whatever, I just want you to think about letting Christ penetrate and breathe within. Not being that rock that sits in the water, sits in church, surrounded by Christianity, and yet Jesus isn't breathing within. And so would you carry this with you for a week? Would it remind you of that next step you're going to take? And would you allow that to bring you center around Jesus, letting him breathe within, letting him penetrate those difficult, hard places of your life. And if every one of us takes the next step, then we're going to stay on a good course as a church. And it's going to make a huge difference in your personal life too. And so what next step do you need to take in centering your life around Jesus? If you're not a follower of Jesus, I'd encourage you to take a next step today you, to, What does that look like for you? Well, take a visitor's CD or take an evidence CD set um, in a minute, I'm going to give you an opportunity to put your trust in Jesus if you want to. That's the next step. Maybe you need to talk with someone. Maybe you need to take a Bible. Those are all next steps that you can take. But if every one of us takes the next step, the sky's the limit for what God can do. Let's pray. So God, we thank you so much for the way that Jesus, you've come and shown us your love and your power. We thank you, God, that you are calling us to yourself. And that's a good thing. You're not a God who is saying, hey, here's what I want you to do, and and you're calling us to do things that are gonna, in the end, harm ourselves or not satisfy us or cause us to stumble, but God, you're causing us to find life and love and power. And so I pray today as we highlighted the love and the power of God that we'd be attracted to that and it would cause us to take next steps. So if you're a follower of Jesus, would you pray for a minute? Would you ask God, what is my next step? And, And I would really, really encourage you to have a specific step in mind before you walk out of the doors today. It's giving up this this movie or that TV show. I'm just done. I just never end up in a good place there. Or I got to get on a volunteering team or we got to join a community group or you know I got to get into God's word. I'm going to spend a few minutes every morning or every night. I got to experience God. I need to see him answer some prayer. I know that's my next step. So find that next step. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, then I would love for you to pray in just a minute here with me if you want to put your trust in Jesus. He, He broke into the dungeon for you. He busted into the dominion of darkness to rescue you and make you his own. And if you want to put your trust in him today, then you can just pray something silently like this. Jesus, thank you for loving me so much. Thank you for rescuing me, redeeming me, ascribing value to me when I was your enemy. And today I put my trust in what you did on the cross in my place. Would you forgive me for my sin? Thank you for all that you've done. And would you now breathe within God? Would you empower me with a power that's not my own? And would you help me to live a life, God, that honors you?